0: Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate, and I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard. Carrie and I are so excited to have you today. Um, We are going to talk about some of our favorite subjects just because, you know, for over 20 years, Carrie and I have absolutely loved to share our information that we know and that we've learned with others. And we know that not everybody is comfortable with public speaking, right, Carrie?
1: (laughs) It's apparently like more people are scared of public speaking than are are scared of spiders um, and cockroaches. And I don't understand what's wrong with any of those people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, not so much public speaking, even though that is definitely related, Because I'm not sure that every um, trainer that I know would be really comfortable giving a keynote speech or having to stand up in front of a large group of people and doing a public presentation. However, we are going to talk today about selecting trainers that work for your program. And there's a lot that goes into that. So it's not just who's available. It's not just what is their fee. Um... There's, there's such a range of trainers. So, Carrie, when you start thinking about uh, when you used to bring trainers in, when it needed to be somebody other than you. Oh, wait, before Let, we do that, yeah, why don't you we gotta hold on? Back. Do that. Yeah, back up and tell me what does the state require when it comes to, to selecting a trainer or who can do the training?
1: Oh, goodness. You asked me that question and I don't see my minimum standards folder. I was going to flip to that page and. <laughs> I don't know where my copy of minimum standards is, but I'll wing it. I'll wing it. Okay. (laughs) Um, But I'm freaked out about where my minimum standards are. Uh, (laughs) So in Texas, the trainer has to be someone who has training in that topic area Or expertise in that topic area. So if you want to have somebody come in and talk about developmental screenings, you could have somebody who does developmental screenings come in and do your training because they have training in that and they have expertise in that. If you wanted to have somebody come in and do a training about protecting yourself from an active shooter, you could have somebody who is a member of the military or a member of a police department or sheriff's office come in and talk to you because they have expertise in that. Okay, so they have to have training or expertise in that area. Um, that's, that's do they, pretty, do they have to have,
0: do they have to have a degree? I mean, what kind of what kind of you said training, and they have to know that
1: topic? What does that look like? They are very vague. So you don't have to have a degree to be the person who does the first aid and CPR training you have to have training in how to train people to do first aid and CPR. So you also, they also want your trainers to have some training in how to train people. Um, so because it was vague and it was driving directors crazy, um, the Texas Early Childhood Professional Development System, or TECPDS, was set up. <laughs> Because people were like, how do I know that this person isn't just saying that they know stuff about classroom management? How do I know that they really do have expertise in classroom management? I can figure out who I can bring in for an active shooter training. I can figure out who I'm going to call for immunization training. But who's going to talk to me about toilet training? Who's going to talk to my staff about classroom management? Who's going to talk about biting? Like, how do I? Okay, get so that? you're talking about things that are
0: sounding really expensive, Carrie. So how as a director am I going to be able to afford all of this?
1: So the TECPDS to get uh, to become a registered trainer costs like I don't know thirty five dollars I think, and so you as a director can become a registered trainer with TECPDS. And then you propose trainings that you want to do for your staff and they'll go, yeah, that looks good. I now approve you to do that kind of training. Um, so that's one way is to become a, a registered trainer yourself and to have the subject areas you feel comfortable training on um, approved that you can do the training. You don't have to use a registered trainer. This is just a way to do it. Um you can then work with a couple of other directors who have different areas, and you can set up a training co op like Kate and I have talked about several times before. But if you want to hire somebody, you can go onto TCPDS and you can find people who train on the topic that you're wanting your staff to have. And there will be people who will do that training for you for $10 uh, per person, who will do it for $50 for an hour, who will do it for $500 for an hour. Uh, So there's a range there.
0: (laughs) So there's a a database that I can pull trainers from. You're telling me that I can get trainers from just other directors. So that would be a great opportunity and a great reason to participate in local networking, right? Right. If you aren't a member of your local uh, NAEYC or other types of professional associations, so whether you're a registered family home or a licensed home or you have um, a faith-based affiliation, um, definitely take a look at some of those professional organizations. And so you've networked and uh, so um, the other thing that is always very helpful is putting together um,
1: or participating in these associations conferences. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say because the database is great, but you don't know if those trainers are going to match with your vibe, (laughs) if they're going to be the right kind of trainer for your program. So I love going to conferences and asking all of my staff to rate each of the trainers that they go to. Um, And I rate all the trainers I go to. And then I've got a list of trainers that I think would be potentially good people to hire to bring into my center. Okay,
0: so you say that. that. Yeah, so I do too. So let's talk a little bit about... Finding trainers that are a good fit or maybe let me me change that actually. How do we know or what is the advantage of having trainers that are a good fit? Um, And sometimes you have trainers that might be experts, but they're definitely not a good fit. So how do we work through both of those? How do we figure out who's a good fit? And what do we do if we have a trainer who may be incredibly knowledgeable almost to the point of excess because they just are so not a good fit with your program?
1: I mean, I actually, very early on in my career, um, this happened. Um, I was helping to put together a conference for, uh, on a reservation, an early childhood conference on a reservation. And the person that they wanted to be the headline speaker Somebody found an article that she had written earlier in her career um, talking about how using cradle boards and um, papooses and swaddling were inhumane. Uh, and they were like, they wrote to her and said, do you still feel this way? And she said, absolutely. And they canceled her because if you're going to do early childhood training and on a reservation where swaddling is the cultural practice for almost all of the families you can't be there saying that that's an inhumane practice so they had they had to cancel her and that was her their headliner um so that's an extreme example right (laughs) um where it's totally not a match they're at their center They did swaddling for babies, you know, or at, you know, in the centers that were participating, they did swaddling. And then there was this person who thought swaddling was the worst thing you could do to a baby. Uh, well, probably not the worst thing, but <laughs> you know what I mean,
0: right? I do. So, so how do you? So, how do you know if somebody is a good fit for your center versus maybe a conference? How how would they be a good
1: fit? Um, I mean, you've seen them do trainings by watching their YouTube videos or their other. You know, in today's day and age, this is much easier than it was back in the dark ages when I started. Um, as a director because most trainers have some videos of themselves training on social media or on YouTube and so you can go watch some of their trainings and find out a little bit about their educational philosophy and if they are a Waldorf inspired program and you are a um, a BECCA program, then you're, it's not going to work.
0: Right? So, they, okay. So they have different you would probably suggest, okay. So you would probably suggest that the director make a list of things they're looking for. Yeah. Okay. And I think the, uh, the other question that I often feel like directors don't quite get is what are they looking for out of the training?
1: What how are your goals? <laughs>
0: yeah. What are the goals? So how much time do you have? Are we trying to, educate or change something. So, um, you know, recently, I know you did a training that was um, inspired by some licensing issues, some (laughs) regulatory issues. I seem to get a lot of
1: those training requests.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. But so sometimes with those we need to, it's more than just even an education practice. It's almost reteaching or relearning behavior. And so, as a director, you need to be realistic about how much time you think it's going to take uh, to help your staff perhaps acquire new skills. Yeah, so I, mean, I think it's really important for you as a director to be realistic. If if you're having supervision issues, that probably is not going to get fixed in a thirty-minute or a one-hour
1: lecture-style training. Correct. And, you know, there's other licensing issues that may come up, like um, there are centers that have had problems with um, knowing their headcount, which is part of supervision, or um, there was a center that licensing was very concerned because they weren't making reports to licensing about things that they needed to make reports to licensing about. Um, And so, in that situation, helping them to understand that this was not an antagonistic relationship between them and licensing, that it was licensing... um, wanting to offer support when there is an issue and if you don't call them and tell them there's an issue then they can't offer you support and so we had to change their mindset from I'm not going to tell licensing because then licensing's going to come in and they're going to cite me and it's going to be a problem so we needed to change their mindset to I need to let licensing know that this problem happened and ask them for help in solving this problem so we had to change that mindset. Absolutely, so, and that was so- that was a three hour, I think. I think we needed three hours for that one. Yeah. So again, it's one of those things
0: that, you know, you know, we've been doing this for a really, really long time. And we realize that not every director is comfortable being their own trainer. Um, I also find it really valuable to make sure that you have done a, a parent survey. And what do I mean by a parent survey? Find out what the parent's hobbies are. Make sure you know what the parent's professions are. Because, you know, if you need to do first aid and CPR and you find out you had some doctors or some EMTs or somebody who could have come in and done that training for you, or you have a pediatric nurse who would have been happy to help you with um, understanding food allergies, you
1: know, there's a whole herd of um, resources. Maybe a yoga teacher. Maybe somebody's side hustle is being a yoga teacher and they can come in and do a relax, you know, here are 10 things that you can do during the day in the classroom to help relax your body so that you're not sore at the end of the day. I would love that workshop. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I've seen I've seen I've
0: seen programs bring in financial planners. Um, and again, not necessarily for, you know, part of their minimum training hours a year, but more as a staff development, because they wanted to make sure that their staff understood interest rates and credit cards. And, and you know, they just maybe they saw several of their staff living above their means. Um, or they saw staff right now who ended up in a lot of debt after COVID, just because perhaps maybe only one of them were working or, or whatever. So... Um you know, being aware of what's going on um, in your staff's personal life without getting too nosy, um, figuring out your staff's goals professionally, as well as what do you have as far as the resources within your uh parent base are great, great places to start. Um, as well as again, do you have staff who love to train? um you know i mean when i first started in childcare i actually had already been uh, by the time I was a director the first time, I'd already been training for the American Red Cross as an instructor trainer for four years. Well, that may not have been something that most people would have presumed based on my age or if you even asked me what my background was. So, again, making sure that you're actually actually asking questions, not just because um, not everybody includes everything on their resume. Um, And sometimes (laughs) hobbies may be things that aren't on there or things they do for their volunteer jobs. And sometimes
1: they don't even think of those things as hobbies.
0: Yeah. Or like I said, things that they do as a volunteer. So so definitely take an opportunity to figure out what you have as far as your assets, figure out what your staff needs. I am all about figuring out the needs, where are the holes, customizing training plans. But I'm also a firm believer in regular staff meetings once a month that get to be part of your training. So um, definitely take a look, uh, go back and listen. I think we've got at least two other episodes that are all about staff training. But what we wanted to do specifically today was to help you hire and find those trainers because it's fine for us to tell you to do a staff training plan. But if you start seeing nothing but dollar signs or you only hire the trainers that are full of fun and rah-rah and they're in there with the music
1: and everybody's Ooh, dancing and everybody about had that. a great time. I want to talk about that. <laughs> all right, go for it. Um so there are trainers who your staff come away from that training and they're invigorated and they're excited but they don't change a dang thing in the classroom. I think those are good trainings to pay for when you're having a morale issue at your center. <laughs> okay, so I'm not saying it's not a good thing to have those trainings that really are all about helping your staff feel good. But if there's nothing that changes in the behavior of your staff, if they're not learning a thing that they're then practicing, then that is not good money, except when you had a huge morale problem. Does that make sense?
0: Totally. And if you aren't really sure which trainers fall under that kind of um, umbrella, feel free to, to send Carrie or I an email at hello at colorfulclipboard.com. We aren't going to ever give you input um, in our podcast on specific trainers because, again, it depends on what you need. Um, yes, we are trainers and we provide a variety of type of training, and we have for over 30 years each. And, <clears throat> so we won't talk about how long that's been. Yep. Um, it's been a however, couple of days.
1: We've, we've done just it for a few a couple days. Of
0: days. Yeah. And, um, but we know that every trainer has, um, their reasons, uh, for the types of training they offer. And there are definitely some that I think there's probably very few trainers that we would say never ever have a have a place in your program. So we would want to definitely ask you a lot of questions, but, um, and that's more for our new trainer, or you know, our new directors. If you are a longtime director and you've got some trainers that you love, again, share those with us. Find us on social media, send us an email, uh, let us know these are the trainers that you really like, that you have found to be a great resource. And that you think everybody should be using, of course, other than Carrie and I, because we already know that.
1: Right. We know <laughs> that you guys want to want us to come out to your center every month um, and you just want to book us completely solid. But we can't do that for everybody. Um, but I've actually done that. I've reached out to directors in specific markets when there's a center that's like, I need somebody to come out and when they want somebody, I can't get there. So I've called or emailed directors in, you know, Houston or Plano or College Station or Lubbock or whatever and said, who are the trainers you think are really good? And then I call those people and I talk to them and I look at videos of them training and then I pick one to refer that center to. So if you're a registered trainer or a registered master trainer or whatever the kind of registered trainer you are, Kate, registered specialty <laughs> trainer... <laughs> um, uh, master, master professional, master professional is trainer. Title. Let us know. We'd love to add you to our roster so that when people call in or email and say, Hey, I really need a trainer to help with biting, or I really need a training to help with staff communication because we're having a lot of gossiping or something like that, then um, we can help put you in touch with the right people. And again, This is not a place where you should be skimping on your budget. I know it can be like, oh, they want $400. Here's the question: Is $400 worth? not getting uh, put on probation with licensing? Is $400 worth improving the staff morale to the point where you're not constantly having to hire? Is $400 worth having a center where every time somebody comes on a tour, they enroll? This is in part, not only is it HR money, right? Money to build your staff, but it's also marketing money because it's making your program better and easier to enroll new families in.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today on Colorful Clipboard. Uh, if you liked what you heard today, make sure you let us know, share with your friends. We can, you can find us on all the different podcast platforms and social media. And with that, uh, don't forget to send us your referrals and information
1: to hello at colorfulclipboard.com. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail
0: with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing programs, and more.
1: This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young you learned something today, share the show.